Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. We should have already been recording because we've already been blethering about all these people that we know in common. I, I was just saying to my guest today, which I'm really chuffed about, I am delighted to say that I'm speaking to Etienne Kwabo. Yes. I'm, I was just about to list all your attributes. Um, I feel that you are a person of many talents. You're a director. And how I got to know you on social media was that you are the creator of Scotland's first black superhero, the comic yes. Beats of War. How cool is that? So it's, it's really cool. Like, uh, I mean, I don't even know how that came to me. It was just more about, I just, I guess, moving to Scotland and living my life experiences. And you know what they say about something happens at the right time? Like everything we do in life is never really a mistake. It's just all about timing. So I guess it came to me and it was the right timing and came out and people have responded really well. So I'm pretty excited. Well, I have ordered my copy, so I am patiently waiting to read it because I feel like I'm left out. It feels like everybody's reading Beats of War except me. So (laughs) I have ordered my copy and I'm looking forward to reading it. (laughs) But um, Etienne, I just wondered, like you just mentioned there about moving to Scotland. So I wonder if I could take you back for a wee bit and if you could give us some information about your background and why you ended up moving to Scotland and where you were brought up. Okay, so I was born in Democratic Republic of Congo. Obviously, that's a, a country in Africa, Middle Africa. And because obviously, we all know about the wars that go in Congo, about, you know, you know, minerals, and there's a lot of political instability. So my family had to move from Scotland, uh, from Congo, sorry, to, to find a better place that is safer for the children. My mom, she always find, always looking out for us, trying to find ways she can help make our kids have a better future. So she moved us from there. And then we moved to the UK, but um, we got here about 2009. That was just me who got here. But for them, they got here a little earlier because when we we went to Uganda, we sort of got separated. So I didn't know where they were until I found out they were in Scotland. So, wow. so I grew up in Congo and, you know, a beautiful country of hills. But obviously with war, uh, my mom had to find ways to, you know, keep our kids safe. So that's how we ended up in Scotland. I didn't choose to come to Scotland. They were already in Scotland. And yeah, it was really cool and cold and I fell in love straight away. Did you really? But that's but that's incredible. Like first and foremost, that your your mum must be a really strong person. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's got this strong personality, she's got a big heart, she's always helping people, and she's always I guess I guess we all like starting to get that sort of energy off as well. Like she's got this heart of helping people, trying to get the best out for their her kids and uh, trying to make sure that her kids really are put fast in everything that she does. And uh, we, we've seen that over the years growing up and, and us being in Scotland and going to school, having all these opportunities to do things that we want to do. We're always grateful every day. So every time we meet up for a family dinner, it's always like a party. You know, it's like six, seven of us, you know, you know, brothers and sisters and, you know, cousins. But it's always like a good family reunion and we're also really close. So, Mm. yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So what age, if you don't mind me asking, were you when you landed in Scotland then? I was 
19 years old. Such a huge deal and such a transitional age. I mean, I guess any age can be transitional, but, you know, like you're a young adult in the world and then you're just moving across the world to this totally unknown place. And obviously with not without its difficulties like you were saying you're separated from your family for a while and moving to Scotland as as much as you're saying like you fell in love with it straight away it must have been quite a scary prospect it it was you know like when you're in Africa you you know because we used to watch a lot of football sometimes and you'd hear Celtics and maybe Rangers and then obviously we knew it was from the UK we didn't know what part of the world it was from and then you watch a lot of movies that are Maybe you see movies set in New York and your perception when you're in Africa, you're thinking about every European or Western world country's got these high rises and everything. So when I landed in Pisa, I was like, where are all these high rises I was seeing on TV? You know, and you know, and then I was like, okay, okay. And then it was snowing, it was about December, and I was oh really gosh. cold. And then I remember we took a bus from the airport and then we saw sort of uh, the, we had an issue with the bus. I had to switch up, get another I, uh, bus that went through Ibrox. And they saw the stadium and I read Rangers and Celtics. Like Rangers and Celtics, like from here. So I was like amazed with everything, but I was also questioning everything. But it was such like an exciting experience for me, really. Just even my, the first bus dropping us at you know Savoy Center in the city center and me looking around. I'm like, whoa, this is really different people the buses the buildings and it's cold and but yeah the excitement of seeing my family was the top priority so i kept my cool and super excited i was really excited to meet everybody at that time when you know you're settling into scotland have you got an idea of what you're wanting to do are you wanting to go study where you studying already before you left your home country like what was the plan in your head yeah, so when I was in Uganda, I did a bit of studying, and then I was quite, my mom already knew as from a childhood, I was quite good with mathematics, and she thought maybe when I grow up, I'll probably work in a bank, become an accountant, but little did she know that when she went to the UK without me, I started, you know, loving creativity and storytelling and music, you know, mm-hmm. as a way of me surviving in Uganda, we, we, you know, living in a very difficult situation. So when I came to Scotland, I asked myself and told myself, sorry, that this is a second chance to life. So I'm going to do something that I really love, that I enjoy. And then looking back from when I was a child, I used to get in a lot of trouble for watching a lot of TV, especially Spider-Man and the, the legend of Tintin. It was like a, a French animation. And then my mom was like, Eugene, you have to keep studying. You can't be watching TV all the time. And then when she goes to work, we had this 80s broken TV at the back of our house. I'll get my brothers and sisters to lie in the grass and then I put my head through it because the inside part was not there and I was okay. acting out scenes that I'd seen <laughs> in Spider-Man and yeah. reading the news, speaking broken English. Obviously, they didn't know English at the time. So I always have this memory and it was beautiful and it was sunny. You could hear the birds singing. And when I got to Scotland, I was like, I need to do something that makes me feel that way. And I didn't know what it was yet. But I remember reading through the... Clybank College curriculum about what they're teaching there, whatever. And when I saw film and storytelling, I was like, yep, but my mom yeah. was happy about it. You know? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, if you come from an African background, you either you should be a doctor, accountant, or a lawyer. These sort of, um, sort of careers you take and you you guarantee a job. And I, I mean, parents are always looking out for their kids so that they have a secure future, but... 
I'm a bit stubborn as well. I, I wanted to do something I really loved. And at that time, after the experiences that I had had living around, I did not really care how it's going to make other people feel because I was just looking out for me inside. I feel like that put a distance between me and my mom. But later when she started seeing me win awards in film and music videos and stuff like that, she started coming along. And after obviously she was used to the character here, she she was open-minded. So yeah, mm. but we're here. She's pretty excited about what I'm doing and it's great. I, I can imagine lots of people go through the, a similar experience in the in sense of like what their parents, that they would want them to do, you know, and maybe follow in their footsteps or whatever. Or if you're seen as academic yeah. and that you have the ability to do something like become a doctor or whatever. But yeah, I think it's talking to so many people in the podcast. I just think it's, it is really important to pursue Mm-hmm. the things that you love because then you'll put your all into it and you know you'll follow your path and you'll make it work and and no path is linear do you know what I mean but I think yeah. the, the best idea is to go after something that you enjoy because you're going to have to do it a lot like we work a lot <laughs> you know I never I'm always finding myself in the studio 10 in the night I'm like everybody's been home from five like what am yes. I here but it's the dream I care about it I love it I, I don't realize how fast time goes because Every moment of it, even though sometimes it could be stressful, I love it and I live for it and I live to inspire people, tell stories that make people escape. This is why I'm here. So uh, I absolutely enjoy it. And then, like you said, you have to find something that you really love and do it. Otherwise, you'd be miserable. Because I tried doing a job that was not what I really liked and it didn't really end up well. <laughs> so I got fired from the job. So I don't really want to revisit that story. So, But yeah, it's uh, you're right. Definitely I agree with you on that. And like you're saying as well, like you felt like you'd been given this this new chance to make it, you know, and, and a lot of people are not in that fortunate position of having choice. So I guess when the choices are presented to you and you can go that way or you can go that way, then you it really is your like duty to try and make the thing that you want happen because you're like, I'm so lucky to have a choice. You know, that's how I feel. Like I've I've been privileged enough to have the choice to pick what I want to do. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy ride like you say you'll you'll be up to all hours of the night and you'll be working and thinking about it non-stop and then your social life is kind of like away at some time and some people yes. go crazy but I think if you really want to make a difference in the world you have to be crazy about what you do and I mean if you're not and then what's the point you know it's uh, yeah. I think every morning I wake up on Mondays I sometimes I even forget it's a Monday it's exciting every day you know I'm, uh, I'm editing the movie right now I shot the movie I was sleepy all the time because obviously I wasn't getting much sleep after seven days in but it's exciting thinking that that story is going to be put together and be able to tell a story that can connect with a lot of humans and together if we come together we can change the world for a better place uh, for the future generations and, and ourselves too so that's pretty glad for me I'm always thinking about what would the future 10 years ATN want me to do that's yeah that's lovely actually that's really nice to think like that and you know I think the world needs more storytellers because yeah of course the world needs doctors and lawyers and accountants like oh my goodness we need accountants yes you're self-employed <laughs> you need people that can do the maths but also the world needs storytellers to keep the stories alive of these. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about the last two years and the stories that have been reported in the news about these amazing doctors and nurses who have, you know, kept the NHS alive. You know, it's people like yourself who are making documentaries and films 
who are telling important stories for the rest of the world so that we are informed and we know that what's going on in the world and we, we can understand different people's stories, even if it doesn't look like our story. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I really respect everybody's passion and what everybody chooses to do in life because we all have different passions and things we love to do that we are put on this planet to do. And everybody, when they are playing their part, that's where what keeps balance. You know, you got doctors, yes. you got lawyers, you got filmmakers, you got people who do all the podcasts, you got different people who do construction. So together we do different things to sort of build the world, to make it better. I mean, doctors did a great job in the last few months. It, it, it's been crazy. It's like we, we were living in an apocalypse, but now people are able now to walk down the street and feel safe. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's interesting. And I feel like always seeing people with their passions, it's, it's always exciting. If you say doctor who likes being a doctor, honestly, they do excellent job. My baby sister is a physician. She loves it. She's always telling me stuff and I'm like, Nicole, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. But she loves it. You can tell from high expressions and everything. She she totally loves helping people and saving and you know testing people. It's yeah, it's strange to me, but she loves it, and I do appreciate that she really enjoys what she's doing. So yeah, I totally, I totally understand. Mm. So you had that um, college brochure in front of you, and you discovered that the had a film course did you then just go for it then and and say that's i'm going there i'm making it happen yeah so i went for it but obviously i didn't know what i was gonna expect you know because obviously i was new to scotland so i joined Clyburn College to get a number one bus from uh, uh, central station straight to, to Clyburn. so i'm giving you my sort of visual story of my route every morning yeah. and then spend a year doing an nc course but all the whole year i was just sort of in the back seat i didn't really talk much my english wasn't that good so i just really watched and i was scared i wasn't confident enough and obviously i made some really cool lecturers at Clyburn college i always mentioned their names kate julie judith they brought the inside of me out i was really comfortable because they made me comfortable they helped me so much this that sort of support that i received from that college that I will always be grateful. So, um, yeah, I, I got it. Spent a year without knowing if that if I chose it, I made the right decision. But after one year, when I joined the HNC course, I started picking up a camera and filming nonstop. You've not stopped since. I've not stopped since. It's, it's almost ten years now, so it's, it's exciting. And that's important that you mentioned those those lecturers because. We do remember the people that picked us up and, and held us in a safe space when it didn't feel like quite the right place to be in or that, you know, you feel vulnerable or you're not sure you've made the right decision. Like these teachers, these people that take you on under their wing, they are like worth their weight in gold because that could have been a make or break it for you, I guess, because there's so much newness in the world for you. Do you know what I mean? You're in a new place and you don't fully speak the language and you're going to this college course, which massive, massive amount of things going on in your life yeah. if you felt unsupported and you felt like you were always at the back not speaking and not being seen you could have quite easily have said oh no this isn't for me and stepped away and yeah, then step who knows what would have happened i don't know if i would be here honestly i don't know i guess we never know but then i mean kudos to you because you you continued on in that struggle when it, it, it maybe didn't feel totally like oh I feel safe in this environment I feel this is the right choice but you obviously stuck with it and I guess like being a film director and making films and and you know working in music videos it's such a hands-on experience I guess when you got to like the the kind of doing it part not the kind of theory part of it that's when you're like oh this is why this is why we do it 
Yeah, and obviously, I, I got in a lot of trouble already. Like, I'll tell you, the police stopped me a couple of times filming some scenes in a car, and obviously, no licenses. You know, you, you're a filmmaker, you have to do what you gotta do. No, no points, no arrest. It was just like, guys, can you find a safer place? That's why I like Glasgow, they let you feel. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then I kept pushing myself, and my worst fear, my deepest fear, I guess, it was what if I chose the wrong thing? What if? 10 years down the line, I regretted it and I did not like it. That was what I was always afraid of. And and then I was always afraid of what people would think. You know, why is my mom going to think? Why is my family going to think? They think I'm crazy. Everybody's got, uh, my sister's a doctor. you got a lawyer. You've got an engineer. You've got an accountant. And I'm here making films. So I was always worried about that. And then one time I was like on a bus stop, the same bus stop, I learned, uh, I was on when we got I got scored for the first time. I met this man random guy i didn't know who he was he was like son he looks sad you know how people in scotland are really friendly i don't know my, my life is all over the place i was so stressed out i think i had an argument with somebody and then he's like i think you're doing so much for people he was just randomly saying that i think you should focus on yourself and do something that you really enjoy when he said that I, I honestly can't tell you what happened i was a different person after that i was just filming and i just do it because I enjoy it. After that, it's like having sent Angel. I don't know. I can't, I can't describe this guy. I never knew yeah. this guy. But something really inside of me changed after that. And I started putting, I know sometimes it feels selfish to put yourself first. But I think sometimes if you want to help other people, you should, you know, take care of yourself first. So you're in the right position to, you know, to be able to help other people. So I was always like, okay, help this person, help this one. And then me, I was just crushing myself all the way down. And then once I did that, my NSC course just in the roof i was just doing music videos documentaries i was filming non-stop my brain was just like going non-stop and then i've not stopped ever since i've always said i need to do something that i really love just mm. looking at an image being put together and there's a drama or there's a story put together and makes other people feel a certain way because of the way i put the story together makes me feel like i'm doing what i'm meant to do on this planet and you know, and then i can do that in different ways even through bits of war that we will talk about mm. even that the way i make kids imagine a world they want to live in and it becomes like the escape for them it's it's amazing i love it well you're an amazing storyteller because you, you know the way you're speaking to me now i'm just totally engrossed you know and i can see that man on that bus seat. I mean, that was a scene from a film right away. Surely, when you decide to make the film of your life, that definitely is a scene for sure that needs to go in that film. The, the impact that just one person or one moment can have, it can really firm up what you believe or it can change the, the course of your path kind of thing. It's just, Yeah, I think, and like you're saying, just to touch on what you said about doing stuff for yourself and it can feel selfish, but yeah, I think unless you're truly living your, your kind of real self out then you can't really help others and you can't really be the, your best version of yourself for others if you're pretending to be somebody you're not yeah it's basically what i saw a little i saw this cool image online that so best describes that basically i'm in my little boat made out of a wood and then i've got people on my boat and they're on my boat building their own boat from my boat so i'm gonna sink because they're trying to build their boat inside my boat cutting part of my wood there's yeah so this i saw this image like years ago but i always use it as a reference but it best describes mm. putting yourself fast in the position that okay i built this big arch and then i can put small 
mini projects on the side that would give back to the community. Yes. Like even I'm doing film right now, which I really care about and storytelling, but comic books are a way of connecting with my young self, things I really wanted to do. I wanted to do comic books. I wanted to do be a superhero when I was young. I wanted to tell my own story of where I come from, but I couldn't do it because I was in Congo. But now I'm moving to Scotland, having access to resources, some cool friends, people that are really passionate, that give me direction and support me. I was able to do that. And then in return, I do workshops for the community. Sure. Yeah, that's me giving back. And I schedule that out. It's not something that I do when I don't have time. I have to schedule it out so that I'm not killing myself, but I'm also feel like when I'm doing it, I'm happy doing it and it's making a change. Awesome. That was such a beautiful image of that boat. I think you're spot on. Yeah, it's okay if other people want to follow your boat. You're like, come along. But <laughs> yeah. I, need, I need my boat. <laughs> I need my yeah. boat to be sturdy. Yes, yes. So true. So in terms of, you know, you're finishing your course and I guess while well, you're on your course, you're ma- like you were saying, you're already making. Did you have an idea of the kind of stories that you wanted to tell or were you very much just open to projects that are going to come your way? How does it work for you? For me, I started off by starting off because uh, what I realized growing up, I really, we, we, we're a family that like, like music. So I started off by filming like small free videos for upcoming artists and also wanting mostly to tell stories of people who move from other countries to Scotland. So I started off with music videos, freestyles, doing free events because really my focus was having the experience on how to use the equipment properly before I can charge for for something. Because I believe that if you're really good at something, people always pay you. Money is not ever an issue if you're really good at what you do. People always find you and pay for it. So I really wanted to get myself out there. So I did a lot of free projects and make some really cool people connected with them via Facebook, Twitter. And then once I expanded that sort of, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, friendly, so they say, partners or people I met, then there, maybe years down the line, that's when I started charging uh, mm. as part of project. Then after that, I kind of got lost <laughs> until, I, you know, because I, I was doing too much. And then I was like, I need to realize why I started doing this course. It was film. Yeah and storytelling so yeah i had to shrink that down to making films and comic books and running workshops on scheduled dates so that there was not too much going on because yeah i found myself helping people doing like a million things that i never even had time for myself sometimes a year could pass and i'm like what did i do the whole year it's crazy so you can easily get lost in that world of trying to do someone calls you forever you go there you think because you're super nice you know sometimes you have to sit back and be like okay, what am I doing for myself though first? You know, yeah. am I really doing things that I really, really wanted to do? Because you, you don't want to be like, let's say 60 and you're like, damn, I didn't even get to shoot that movie I was writing like when I was 25. Like, Because they just kept saying yes to everybody else. <laughs> oh my God. Because honestly, like time goes fast. Can you imagine mm. how quickly the pandemic, it's like been almost two years in a pandemic. It's so, yeah, so I had to always, you know, increase the people I was working with to get that experience. And then after I started charging and once I was confident enough, that's when I started doing my other side project and I was quite picky what I should do. Like right now, I can't just do a random music video. It's got to be something that it's got a good budget or there's a reason why I'm connected to it. Because if I keep doing that, I'm going to lose track on what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. like, you know, I can't ask you to come and help me move my house when you have a podcast all week, every day. I'm like, hey, come, we got our project dating, brother. I can't, you can't just get 
keep helping people when you got your schedule of things you're supposed to do as a person as well. So no, you're so right. You're right. And yeah. and you know, let me say in this moment, you know, you are doing this podcast. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate you've made time in your yeah. week for this because it's hard. And you know, as a freelancer, I've been full-time freelance for a decade now. And ha- I have definitely been that person that says yes to everything and then not had enough time to like eat my dinner, you know. Yeah, and it's so difficult because you want to do all the things, you know, and it's not that you don't want to do them, but yeah. there's the other the stuff that's really important to you and it just gets, and whether that's family life or whether it's other projects, it gets smooshed yeah. down. And then next time when you get time, you, you're like, okay, uh, we'll schedule it maybe next month, you know, or... Yes. And then I, I think I, I used to be awake in that sense that everybody says, oh, Ashley, can we do this? And I'm like, yes, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, the day after tomorrow. I'm like, I didn't realize why when I called people to do stuff, they scheduled in four weeks so they can have enough planning, enough time to, you know, organize themselves. So that's something also I, I had to learn along the way. So it's all a learning experience. And I feel like, obviously, when you go through things in life you and you come out of them, you become you come out a better person and you you can you're always you're always elevating yourself making yourself better learning and that's why i really enjoy r- running these workshops like once a month because when i meet the kids they i feel like i learned so much from them and, and it sort of reminds me who i was as a kid and things i was really uh, passionate about and when i see that and i'm sort of you know inspiring them also to go out and create it's it's my dream come true so but yeah i don't know if i answered your question but <laughs> no of course you did absolutely I'm just yeah. really fascinated in every because you have so many strings to your bow. Although you're, you know, obviously you're saying you've really curated that and, and tightened that down to the things that you really want to be doing, but still to be able to produce the comic and, and write the story and then yeah. put that out in the world and all that comes with that, and you know, we'll, and we'll get on to that. And you're making films, and there's so much work that goes into that, and it'll, yeah. it'll be all hands on deck, and you'll be doing a million jobs and spinning a million plates, yeah. and then you're doing the workshops as well that that's three very different things that involve a massive skill set so it's Mm -hmm. kudos to you like you know that you're able to do all those things never mind the fact that you were doing music videos and all these other things on top of that at one point but in terms of like the film projects in more recent years that you've been working on what have been the real highlights yeah, like the first project, uh, I would say the first feature film that we did was my best highlight because it was a learning experience as well. We spent a year doing a movie. Can you imagine a whole year? So that's doing yeah. a film without money, relying on actors and when they're available. It was the hardest thing to do because obviously mm-hmm. used all my savings with my friend and then we just were waiting on people looking for locations when they're not on location we're editing so that was the hardest experience we shot 19 willow place i think 2018 it came out and that was a whole year learning experience on how to work with people collaboration communication with people and then that got finished thank god a year was finished we dropped the movie and i did, i really learned a lot as a filmmaker and then i guess when I was shooting the new movie, The Difference Between Us, I had more experience uh, on how to deal with people, communicate, script-wise, pre-production, and how to be, better be organized. So I'm really excited about the new feature film that I've done. I shot in July for five weeks uh, because I was more organized. It was five weeks. We were punched on every day. 
the story is really good and unique and really current and sort of highlights things that were going on that's going on in the world today about you know equality and you know you know trying to fit in and stereotypes that are given to people um yeah so i'm pretty excited about that and i feel like obviously my fight film was a collaboration it was a learning experience but this one here i really went in put my life my resources my heart into it and that's why i'm really you know excited about what's going to come next year so yeah it's pretty exciting that is exciting so is that in post-production now yes it's in post-production i'm i'm cutting the movie it'll take me a few months maybe by march i'll probably be done and start doing music color grading it's always that phase that each phase needs money and i'm always mm-hmm. looking for really some cool collaborators online i've met some really cool creative people in scotland even us in scotland that we work together and even being you know Upload, you're still able to work with somebody who it could either maybe create a piece of music that could be used on your film. So yeah, even though the pandemic has been quite challenging, uh, it's been great, you know, to keep be able to write and keep going. Really, the pandemic, I feel like it's bad, but also it kind of made me um, sort of stay in the house and get th- my thoughts together and yeah. finish finished my first ever script as a filmmaker because I was there and has to think. And I think just sometimes taking that time to yourself and think about what you're doing and how you can make it better always brings out the best out of you. So I feel like that script came from my heart and I feel like I was super excited about what's going to come out next year. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. Writing and then directing a film during a pandemic, thats I'm sure that came up with a lot of its own difficulties and hurdles that you had to overcome you know you've got your vision of how you want things to be but then the good old pandemic comes in just to throw another spanner in the works so how was that like filming it and scheduling around that okay so what i did is i okay my film takes place in four locations i was like okay it's july the pandemic is almost maybe it was dying out we had a few cases of coronavirus but i was like i'm praying that my film doesn't get shut down because someone gets sick, another person gets sick. So every day when I was on location filming, I was saying a little prayer inside. It's like, please, please, the universe, stay on my side. Please, please. God, please stay on my side. So I scheduled everything so that we could shoot and have two days off. So the first uh, shoot was about seven days, and then we had two days off, and then five days, two days off, three days, and then two off, and then three days four locations but i made sure that everybody was tasting doing these literal four tests every day and make sure everybody was okay but thank god no one got sick that's the worst thing i was really scared of like i mean had resources to sort out everything but can you imagine if i was halfway through the movie and all of it had to be shut down so that was my biggest fear and i'm like okay i mean we're passionate creators we want to create these projects but you have to think about the health of other people and the people you bring together on the team. So I told all the actors, like, guys, no social life for the next year, uh, the next month. You know, you're all for me. I'm here, go home. Do not go to any parties. Do not nope. go to, don't go have any parties. <laughs> please, please. And then luckily I have the most amazing cast and crew. These guys are super professional. They listen, they did their tests every day. And then everything ran smooth and I, I can't believe we, we wrapped up the whole f- film and everybody was okay so it's really challenging because every day 
I mean, I'm there directing the movie and I'm thinking about the next shot. I'm just thinking, because if you're an independent filmmaker, you have to sort of look at different parts of the department of the project. You, you're taking care of the lighting guys, the gaffers, the, the cinematography. You're looking at the catering, at people eating really well. Are the expenses being covered? And I'm thinking about, okay, my risk assessment, you're looking at coronavirus, is everyone doing that test? And then have to think about the actor's performance. So <laughs> my head was about to explode, but I've learned how to really calm myself, you know, like, even though I'm stressed, I've learned how to embrace stress. Because I think I was watching this interview with Ridley Scott, and he was talking about how he, he directs this Prometheus movie. And then I seen this guy work, working, he's like in his 60s or 70s, if I'm not wrong. But the guy, he said, I love stress. If I'm not working, then I don't think... I'll be more stressed if I'm not working. So I go his theory and try yes. to apply it on my... It didn't work so well, but sometimes I'll be talking to people and I'm stressed out inside, but I have to keep my calm because all the actors are counting on me. The sun guy is counting on me. Uh, you know, the, the location people are counting on me. So I had to really contain my anxiety and my stress and keep it inside and be the leader that I want to be and just push the movie through. Went to sleep at 11, 6 a.m., 5 a.m. I was sorry, 5 a.m. I was awake preparing everything. First person on set, driving people who are lost, had different people doing different things. So I was like spot on. And sometimes I had to make some decisions that some people on the crew were not happy about, but especially if you're on a location when you can get the location once, sometimes you have to do one take shots. As long as you're telling the story, <laughs> we'll figure that out. I'll figure that out in post-production. Yes. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was quite challenging, I could say. I love it, though. It's the end result that I'm going to, you know, enjoy when people are watching the movie and they can see the story that I'm trying to tell. And definitely, hopefully, I get more money from big studios so I can maybe better shoot these movies comfortable, but just focus on the actors and their performances and making sure that you're delivering the project you're supposed to deliver. But I think when you're a director, it's always good to know different sections of your show so that yeah. you know how best to speak to the lighting guy, to the sound guy, so that once you understand the whole production, you you it's better you you're in better position to direct your your actors because you know how the whole production goes. You know, so and true. I think having that experience, I think it does help in 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 your career as you know you you go up as either filmmaker or doing whatever you do in leading people. Yeah, so I had this exact same conversation with another director who does commercials, adverts on TV, and yeah. he said the same thing, Michael J. Ferns. He was saying that, you know, I have done all of those jobs in some way, shape, or form, or I've took the time to understand them. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I could do all those jobs to the quality of those people. They're obviously skilled people that do that particular job. But yeah. I understand it enough. I can empathize i can sympathize with the work that they've got to do so that when i'm doing my job i have everybody in mind and it's yeah. like a total vision and i understand that from a choreographic point of view like speaking to a director or speaking to a musical director mm -hmm. is trying to understand where they need things to be because it's my job to basically make their vision come alive mm -hmm. but if i'm just if i'm just creating a dance and not really thinking about anything else it's just not going to work yeah, it's just not going to work. But yeah, I mean, I, being the director is just like the total puppet master. But your passion comes through. Like when you're speaking about it, your your face lights up. You're really yeah. animated, and clearly your passion 
then brings it, it draws other people towards you and clearly yeah. the, the crew and the team that you're working with they obviously feed off that passion they've got a similar passion to you they want it to work and um yeah if you're a good person trying to do a good job usually things will come together yeah and i always have this conversation with my cinematographer who's my friend now i started off we're not friends, we're working together and they became friends. We had this conversation before every shoot. We're like, whatever we say on set, never take it personal. Yes. Deep down, we all want the same thing, right? Correct. If he says he can take another shot and I say no, don't take it personal. I know you can take it, but we have to move on. And then sometimes I have to deal with the actors as well. They want to shoot this scene quickly because maybe it's a short scene, but my cinematographer is not happy with the lighting maybe we, we didn't expect sun today and there's so much sun coming through the window and he's not covered and he's an expert in that and i don't want to really want to rush out this shot so i learned how to really try and come both sides and then speak to people properly and always have conversations especially with my team that was close to me guys don't take anything personal we want the same thing we want the same, a good movie we want a good story so whatever something happened on set, everybody later on, we talked about it and revisited what happened and what we could do better. And like I said, it's always a learning experience. On the movie, I learned a lot of stuff and I'm, I'm super excited about what's to come. That's great. Yeah, it's that communication though, isn't it? It's almost like a, a dance that you need to do with each person. You have to speak to this person like that and then you're over here speaking this language over here with this person. And But it's it's that curation of all those different parts. It's like putting a jigsaw together that, that's just really, really difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's something, someone to say that you have to be a, a director of something, you have to be a little bit crazy. So that no, that's really exciting that you have that project um, ongoing, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it out in the world whenever it's ready. But um, amidst all that, like you've mentioned, um, and like I said at the start of the the podcast, you also created Scotland's first black superhero. Yeah, I think that was probably how I discovered you. Actually, I think you were doing a workshop, and I saw it online, and I was like, oh, what's this? And like you said, the inspiration is coming from childhood, wanting to tell your own story, wanting to give that power to this young person who wants to be a superhero. But that's one thing, having that idea, bringing it to fruition and actually making it happen is another. So yeah, how did that all come about? Yeah, so Scotland's first black superhero, E.T., comes from my name, Etienne. So the first two initials, right? So uh, when I got to Scotland, I really wanted to do comic books, but I didn't really know who to contact and how to. So that thought was on my mind, but I sort of like ignored it, just kept doing my calls. And then one time, uh, Black Panther came out. I went to see it and I saw how Africa is really portrayed and the sort of contrast between you see when you see Africa and you see the Western world and the whole story and the characters, the way they were sort of playing around with each other. And then it was like three o'clock in the morning. That's when I always get the most weirdest ideas. But I was like, what if I created a character that tells my experiences moving from Congo to Scotland? Because obviously when I came to Scotland, I faced some different forms of racism. And at some point I really questioned if I really did belong in Scotland. And because obviously I've seen how my friends sometimes either react with people who speak to them in a certain way and they end up getting in trouble or the way they speak to the police. But for me, I had this thing about always trying to channel my energy into something creative to sort of highlight the way I was feeling. Mm. So I was like, what if I could just create a character that could 
just sort of highlight all these injustices and things that I was experiencing, but also, you know, shed a light on beautiful things about Scotland and just what it feels like living here. And obviously when I watched, I watched Black Panther, I came out of the movie, it just sparked my creativity. I go on the page, I started writing the story. And then, yeah, from there, I put up a post and then I said, guys, I'm looking for a comic book a script editor and an artist who would not think that my ideas are crazy and stupid to want to work with me. And then people responded. And luckily I met a guy called Gary who used to go to my, Gary Chadley, who went to my college and he came on board and then that's how it came to life. And something really unique about my comic book as well, because I lost my biological mom growing up. I feel like there's so much as a kid growing up that I really wanted to know from my stepmom. And I didn't feel like I had these discussions with her. And it made me so angry that I did not have these conversations. But putting my, my biological mom in the story made me super excited. I feel like I'm connected to the story again. And also wow. all the characters in the copy book are real people, friends and families. And places where the story takes place, which is Glasgow, there's real places in the story. So it's not like randomly coming up with a building. So if you look through the comic book, you see Queen Elizabeth Hospital, you see Buchanan Street, you will see the Finston Bridge, you see Loch Lomond, you, you see the history of Glasgow being highlighted, things like the Razagang who ran the streets of Glasgow. I really wanted to create a story that I would feel connected to, but also people in Scotland will feel that connection. No, just because there's a lot of comic book stories, but why is yours really unique? So that's really why I wanted to make mine so specific in that sense so that I'm connected to it. People in Scotland can read, oh, we get this joke, or oh, this is Scotland, or oh, they can recognize places and yeah. their history is there, you know? I mean, that's mind-blowing. So yeah, I'm pretty excited that it came out and the feedback has been great. Yeah, I feel like, like I say, I just... It, the minute I saw that post then I felt like I was just seeing you everywhere I was like this guy is just totally nailing it you're just obviously working extremely hard to get it out in the world and and people it's resonating with people and and like you said as much as your experience of Scotland you know I understand it to be whole, you know mostly positive mm-hmm. absolutely there is racism that, that exists here in Scotland and we need to talk about it and we need to challenge it and tackle it and just you, you're putting your story out in the world through this comic. You know, you're reaching new audiences, you're reaching young people, but you're also reaching adults. Yeah. And it's important that we have these conversations and that we tackle it head on and that we don't shy away from it. And that your experience isn't linear, that it's not all positive and it's not all negative. You know, the positive doesn't cancel out the negative. Your story is important and it'll be a story that resonates with so so many. Um, I think it's incredible that you've done this. I think it really is. And I, I see that Beats of War 2 is coming out. Oh, yeah. Before the year ends, it's going to be out. And I'm really excited. And a lot of people who have read Beats of War 1, they're like, Etienne, we hope you know one of those creators is going to create one comic. And that's it. I'm like, guys, don't worry. I've sketched 10 comic books of the story. And I'm going to cover Scotland the way you've never seen it covered in a comic book before. Because I, what I do, I always take my camera and take pictures of locations that I really love. I love the underground city of Edinburgh and what happened there in, in yeah. like 300 years ago. I'm like, how can I make that fictional and fit that into my story? So it's pretty exciting. Beast of War 2 is going to come and it's going to blow people's minds off. And, you know, the kids will, will love it. They'll feel excited. But deeply, there's a story behind it that everybody 
everybody should sort of relate to and ask these questions. And um, hopefully we can make the world a better place together. You're here. Yes, absolutely. And clearly you love doing the workshops. Like you were talking about them earlier on. Again, your face lit up. You obviously really enjoy that interaction with other people and, and hearing them enjoy the story. So what kind of things happen in the workshops? What, what kind of work are you doing with the young people? So workshops is, is broken down in four hours. So no matter what I do, I do two hours a day. And then we choose another day, we do the other two hours. But some groups that I meet, they're okay to meet for like maybe four hours. Others are like, can we shrink it down to two hours? So I normally get through a series of talking to kids about superheroes they like and why they like superheroes. Obviously, kids will tell me a lot of stuff about Spider-Man, Batman. They have the favorites, right? And then I would ask them to start sketching up their superhero. If they had a chance to draw their own superheroes, what sort of superhero would they want to draw? And they start drawing, basically. And then after that, when they draw a superhero, we watch like two clips from superhero films and we look at qualities of a good superhero. The kids pick up those in movies, and mostly kids are really good at picking up. And we compare those to real life. You look at people who are in real life, who are the real life superheroes, for example, doctors who are saving lives. So I try to sort of bring in that contrast between real life and fiction so kids can sort of realize that, okay, that's a fiction story, but it's always good to always sort of find a way to apply that in real life or either listen to your parent if they're advising you to do something or finish the science project that you want to do. So once we finish those clips, watching those clips, we discuss like that and then ask every kid to share their images and tell me about the superhero and the sort of powers they've chosen and the sort of world they want to see the superhero be. And obviously they're telling them to use their life experiences. It could be your dad, it could be your dad who's your sidekick, it could be your dad from the country where you come from, so that they can sort of reimagine the world they want to live in and, you know, fix things they want to fix in certain sense. Uh, some lo- uh, talk about climate change, some talk about the bad guys, about, some talk about things that they're supposed to be with their character. And then the second session, what I do is take them in a process telling them my life experiences going through growing in Congo and coming to Scotland and how that inspired me to create this story. And then we go through my sketches of how I started drawing and how my sketches was embarrassing. And they always laugh at that a lot. <laughs> and then tell them about how teamwork is really key in everything you do. So meaning that if you're struggling with something, always ask for help. It could be your mom, your dad, your parents, somebody that you know that is your who's superior to you and who can help you, support you in your own project. And then they ask me a no question about my comic book, and then towards the end, after I showed them all my artwork, we look at their characters and we figure out what sort of world those characters will be, what the villains are. And then I tell them about superhero workshop. Like, look, it's a good superhero workshop, but you don't need to be a, a comic book creator if you don't want to be. If you want to be a doctor, you can be a doctor. If you want to be a teacher, you can be a teacher. You can be your own superhero in real life as long as you're changing other people's life that are around you you know so anything that you choose to do put your heart in it and know that you're changing the world doing it that's the main point of the whole you know super workshop reimagining the world and becoming the person you really want to be and you're happy changing the world as you do that and at the end they get surprised of a comic book and always <laughs> over the moon you know so that's uh-huh. all like i've tried to summarize it but it's always like details Obviously, you get like six year olds, they're a little bit younger, six to ten, they're younger. There's a amount of content that cannot say to them. But like yes. eleven year olds going up, they're quite smart. They know all the marvels. <laughs> so I can't lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's always good that that 
that yeah when i look at the group i know what to tell them and yeah so, so that what that's what we do in our workshops and the kids always even give me ideas of what to put in my next comic book i'm like guys amazing see this is why i want to do these workshops i get inspired every day i get inspired from you you inspire me i inspire you that's how it works so you know and yes. are beautiful because their minds are open they can say whatever they want to say and give you ideas and it's always exciting doing them i mean i want to go in one of these workshops it sounds phenomenal <laughs> i think you should do ones for adults for sure it sounds yeah. really empowering like a really empowering workshop and i think the minute you give anybody ownership over something you know certainly you know the world that you live in especially as a, a wee person you don't always have autonomy over that you don't have um just for young people to to have some sort of ownership over their life where you're saying reimagine the world that you live in so your, your sidekick doesn't need to be this imaginary character it could be somebody you know and it's just like almost reframing so yeah you are in this world and this is your situation but we can think a bit bigger we can think a, we can almost like be like a drone and hover over the top of your world and see that there's a bigger world out there and things can happen and yeah I think it's really it's powerful stuff it's so cool then that you get that feedback from them and it then just like fuels your passion for the yeah. next lot of workshops or whatever you're going to write next yeah it's like I love working with young people like I work with young people predominantly so I totally yeah. get your passion for it and um, they're amazing because they just say stuff and they don't you don't really think about what they're saying. And you know what? They love it because when they tell you about Spider-Man, Captain America based in New York, it's like, oh, it's really cool to have a superhero based in Scotland that really stands for Scotland. I'm like, yes, that's exactly why I created it. You know, so that when people come to Scotland, it's like, oh, we got on the superhero as well. We can have these big films, big TV shows that show our courage and what it feels like to be Scottish. Is that the dream then that E.T. becomes this huge feature yeah. film like a, like a brand like marvel yes i'm I, i'm pushing it out you know i'm not stopping everybody says i'm crazy but yes that's how you get things done you have to be crazy the dream is to make it a big brand so that there's a lot of comic books there that are combined to tv shows films and uh you know and hopefully reach the world the way we want to reach the world so it's exciting I wish you all the best. I think you're totally just killing it. Like like I say, everything I've seen about your work online, it just all seems really creative and, and you're clearly passionate about it and you're surrounding yourself with the right people. And yeah, like keep doing what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Really important work. I'm aware of time and you are a very busy person, but if you don't mind, could I ask you a few of my hingamajig questions? Yes. Um. Okay. What hidden talent so you clearly have lots of talents but what hidden talent do you have i can cook really good can yes. you know what yeah. kind of foods I, I can make african food mostly but things that obviously that is sort of like africa best but yeah that's some because i grew up my mom cooking so and my sister so i picked a few of the talents there good one always good if you can cook well done <laughs> um if you could be a fly on the wall in any room at any time, what room would you be in? Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It could be in a <laughs> okay. This is good. It's gonna. It could be in a room. Let's say, for example, because I'm saying this because I really want Beatable to be a TV show or a movie. It could be in a room of board of directors at one Warner Bros. deciding where they're gonna put their 
next budget of the next film. So we can do bits of one Scotland. So yes. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Good plan. Good plan. Always thinking. Um what is your most treasured possession and why? Uh my most treasured pos- possession is my mom's picture. Because obviously it keeps me motivated and I always think about legacy and what I'll leave behind and how I want to make myself a better human being and better father when I have my own kids. So yeah, that's treasured. It's always it always reminds me of family and how it's important to have family around you and how the support of family is the most important thing in life. Because every time I'm down, they gave me pu- they push me forward. When things are not going well, they always listen. So my mom and then my family. Those you know I own her pictures, but it reminds me of how important the family is. Of course, that's a lovely answer. And um, I haven't even had time to mention the fact that you are also a podcaster because I was listening to your podcast Words Up this morning, which is oh yeah. Like, um, <laughs> did you forget about that? <laughs> did you forget you did that? I forgot because obviously we got commissioned by BBC to do this podcast, which was really cool, and we're not sure if we're going to do it again. But if we do it, that'll be really exciting. I loved it absolutely. I'm, I'm wait, making my way through all the episodes, but it was funny because the one I was listening to this morning, you were talking about Scottish words that you had, you were learning as you arrived in Scotland, and that is the last question that I ask on this podcast. Every single episode is. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Belta. Yes, and you said you said you had to ask on Facebook what that meant. <laughs> and, uh, and I spelled it the wrong way. People are actually, that's not how you spell a belter. And this is what a belter means. Because I was on holiday and everybody was like saying, oh, that last is the way belter. It was a bunch of my Scottish friends. So I was laughing. I didn't know why they were talking about and being all cheesy. And I'm like, okay. I'm pretending, but I don't know what they're actually talking about. So I got Scotland. I put it on Facebook. Everybody's making fun of me. But hey, that's my favorite one. I love it. I like the way it sounds. (laughs) I love it. I I was totally chuckling away myself when I was listening. (laughs) It's a strange word, though. It really is. But it is a a belter. It's a good one for sure. Well, if you don't mind me saying, Etienne, I think you're a belter. Because all of the (laughs) things that you've achieved, it's just phenomenal. And and are achieving your continuing to work so hard on your passions and I think it's really inspiring and I'm really really honoured that you've come on the podcast because you are a busy person so thank you so much for joining the Bra Brave clan thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed speaking to you and I cannot wait to listen to it when it comes out I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Bra and the Brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests Bye for now.